everyone. The CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, June the 7th. Uh, we are going to do uh, another, basically another Q&A podcast. That one, the, the last time was, was pretty good, and, and uh, I appreciate everybody out there for submitting some questions for tonight's show. Uh, as we uh, reconvene the um, the crew, we're also Dave was at the uh, the social uh, week before last, I guess it was uh, the VAF social. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and busted shops for basically not telling us uh, more about it. It was like four days later, and he drops this random nugget uh, for something that he heard uh, out. Was it? Was it? I think it was. I think it was that Francesca Francesco Bedoshi was going to have knee surgery and was definitely going to have uh, uh, just definitely going to richer. So anyway. Uh, before we do that, let me go around and introduce uh, everybody out in Fishersville. The aforementioned Dave Spence is on the show. How you doing, buddy? Hey, breaking news three days late. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Spence. <laughs> Who is on the board at? Who breaking on Twitter? news three days late. Uh, up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the show. Hello, buddy. How are you? Oh, you know, living the dream. Ready to appear in front of the committee. Ready ready to, to – right, <laughs> so so we should play a game. Oh, wait. Hold on, Ferber. Give, them, give the people your Twitter handle so I can give them my Twitter handle. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner, coincidentally, also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. We should also note that that as as we record tonight, word is beginning to spread that Fred Hoiberg might be a, uh, um, a target, a, a legit option for the Ohio State University. <laughs> and literally, Ferber dropped that about 13 seconds after he heard that Thad Mata had been fired. Um, so basically, if you have any questions about any of your pending life decisions, you should find a way to, to text Ferber and or message him because he's apparently pretty good at, uh, at, at helping iron those things out. Um, as long as it's not UVA related. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't ask me who UVA is going to hire in any, any capacity because it's going to be somebody else. <laughs> yeah, it's like something just clicks in, in Ferber's mind um, whenever. Uh, <laughs> See, what whenever. it is with UVA is I'm just too close to the situation. <laughs> He's got Bob Stutz going to Iowa in a few years, too. <laughs> Write that one down. He's got some sort of blueprint. We don't know what it is, but it works. It's all we know. Um, but but that's why we that's why we have him. That's why we pay him the big money. You're, you're worth it, Ferber. Um, so let's let's get into the first question tonight was from uh, from our buddy Grafton, uh, who I believe is does pretty much nothing. His, his role in life, I think, is to teach America's youth slash teach them basketball and asks questions and comment on the board which i'm not going to knock because hey i appreciate it so uh he asked does the staff feel good about their 2018 targets for basketball and feel someone will commit by the fall and i answered there was a thread somebody asked me a couple uh, recruiting questions and i and i got kind of funny and i was like nope nobody no no recruits ever uh gonna be pulling randos from the uh from this for the student section and now it occurs to me did i actually hit post on that or was that did i just type that up and then decide not to post it well if i didn't hit it post uh imagine that i did look i i understand that people want something to happen with this class and i get that um yes absolutely they're gonna have they're gonna have somebody committed by the fall because they're gonna you know guys are gonna want to sign in the fall um i mentioned this i think in that same thread now it's all coming back to me I, I do think that they'll have a piece in place by the end of the summer. Um, that just makes a lot of sense, and, and I think that um, as as some of the dominoes are starting to fall, right, you've got the Slater kid committing, you've got um, Manuel Quickly cutting his list. Uh, the Quinterly kid is going to – Arizona was seen as a potential 
threat, but now them them getting Brandon Williams, he that's probably not as much of a thing. Um, Jalen Llewellyn, I think, wants to probably get his stuff done. Um, I would say sometime in August. I can't see him taking, you know, taking the thing out into the spring or anything like that. So I, I do think they're going to have a piece in place. I would tell you like this: my sources on the thing. I, how does how does the staff feel? The staff is itching to have a commitment because they want to build a class around a guy, but I definitely don't get any sense of panic. I, I think one thing that was interesting during the live period was like Tony Bennett goes out, he sees players, he offers them. Like that's what he does. Like he's an evaluator. Like beyond the point of like evaluation, I mean, like he do just evaluates. He can't stop. I mean, heck, the Llewellyn kid told me like this week what. He, they, they showed him clips of him, <laughs> they showed him clips of Perondis and compared him, and then they showed clips of him that he thought he had some stuff he could work on. Like, that's just who Tone is. But, like, the I, I, the extra, the new offers and stuff were, were not a reaction to, like, how they felt about other recruitments. That's just who he is. He sees players, he thinks they're good, he offers them. Like, that's that's the way that works. So, I don't, I don't, I don't begrudge folks who are, you know, I, I get the, I get the nerves, I, I, I get that, Um you know, and sometimes in recruiting, there it's you know it's somewhat serendipitous, right? There's a there, like sometimes things just kind of fall into place. That's the way the 16 class works. Sometimes you got to work a little bit harder. Sometimes things don't fall that easily, um, and that's sort of the, the 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 look here. So I don't think that there's any reason to panic. I mean, if it was like you know January, okay, I get it. But like uh, you know, the, the 18 class is going to take care of itself. In due time, and I think some of these kids are start are going to start once they get through AAU season. They're going to start focusing more on their recruitment, and you're sort of seeing that already in in some spots um, with some of them kind of um, kind of focusing. Uh, what do you guys think? Are you nervous? You worried at all about the 18 class at this point? Yeah, it'd be great to have someone committed, but I mean, you can't compare this to the 2016 class. Like those guys, that class. When you looked at the roster, you could see, hey, there's lots of minutes available when we arrive on campus. That's not the case with 2018. Um, you know, there, there's going to be what six, seven, eight, nine guys who are still <laughs> still on the roster when these guys come in as freshmen. Um, and then you're talking about a level of recruit. You know, you know, we've recruited some decently ranked players before, but as a class, we have a chance with a bigger bigger percentage of higher rated recruits who don't typically go to schools and want to sit for a year. So I don't think it's surprising that we, we haven't gotten a commit yet. And if you look at the players in the top 100 that have committed, most of them are to schools that either A, aren't notoriously very good, or B, have a frequent roster turnover every year. So you know, it's going to be interesting. I don't, I don't know that there's not many schools left, uh, other than Carolina because of the NCAA cloud hanging over it, that have – one by developing rosters and now Virginia is trying to recruit at a level like an Arizona or I won't say Duke or Kentucky because no one recruits at that level, but you know, high level recruiting <clears throat> against high level recruiting schools with a team that notoriously develops players. Like that's an interesting thing. So it may be very late before we see action from this class as they get an idea of, okay, of the guys on the roster, which one cannot beat, cannot beat, um, so I mean, it's, I don't think it's any need to worry. And you know, as, as an aside, I mean, Tony, Tony doesn't play the game, man. If he gets that idea that kids dragging his feet, he's going to move on. Um, he has every, rightly so, he has every confidence in himself to take a guy that the recruiting services aren't in love with, see him, believe he's a good player, 
and and uh, help him realize that potential. Like Tony's not losing sleep if he doesn't sign a guy who's top fifty. If he finds a guy who's not top fifty, who he likes. Yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a really good kind of kind of way to to kind of uh, wrap it up. Ferber, you got anything to add on that before we move on to uh, to this question on Miles Wilson? No, not really. I mean. Uh, I think, like, like you guys said, I mean, the players a lot of times are focused on their AAU seasons at this point, um, or in the months leading up to this point, I mean. So this isn't totally out of the ordinary either. I mean, you see guys commit a lot. Um, I know in the past they've done a lot of official visits, like the first football game of the season, like that weekend, um, usually like first weekend in September. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I know they've closed on a lot of kids in those time frames. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about like Isaiah Wilkins, for example. Um, DeAndre so, Hunter. I mean, I don't think it's anything to get too, too bent out of shape about at this yeah, point. True. And also think about, too, like the Slater kid struggled to start travel ball season and committed early. Uh, Prentice Hub kind of struggled to start travel ball season and committed early. Brandon Williams committed. Well, he, he's got a knee injury. He's not playing. Like some of these kids want to get through the heart of July. It, it, it basically, if you, if you were going to commit, you're probably going to have already done it by now. Um, July is, is the time essentially when those live periods are, and you want to, you know, you're going to be able to, to be out there in front of coaches again. I think that's a, a big focus. Um, uh, NWG 182. God, I love message board names. Uh, can you expand on the news that was reported in the war room that we're no longer pursuing uh, Miles Wilson and may be content with just a point guard and a big in 2018? Do you think this marks as a significant shift in recruiting philosophy and roster management? And how much does it say about the players we currently have in the pipeline? I'm actually going to answer the question, the last part of the question first, because, you know, my podcast, I do what I want. Um, how much does it I think it says, I, actually, I feel like one of the biggest pieces of this is that, it, that they essentially want, they want the guys that are on the roster to have a chance to develop and perform. And what they don't want to do is they don't want to crowd things out and 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 then be put in a in, put in a situation where either you're not going to play a younger guy because you have older guys, and you're not going to play, and you're or you're going to play the younger guy and cause the older guy to get spooked. Um, I, I think this is an adjustment. Uh, if you think about recruiting as a knob, right? So Virginia had that situation essentially where all these dudes decided to leave, and there was this whole roster. Um, roster shortage of talent however you want to describe it a few years ago and i think tony turned the knob too far right he he decided he wanted to use every scholarship he could and then as he did yeah he he brought in a lot of players and the roster was full of really good players but you can't it was like having a it was like having currency you couldn't use right you, you had all these dudes and you couldn't play them all you couldn't play them consistently and you certainly couldn't keep them all happy and ultimately you, you're seeing you know guys transferring you know, you know, year after year. So I think what I don't, I don't know if if I would call it a. I think I did say something in the war room about it being a shift. I don't know if I would call how significant it is. What I think it is is it's just a recalibration. And what I mean by that is this is I think the staff recognizing one the players in the pipeline are really good. Like they want DeAndre Hunter to have a chance to to really play and have those minutes, and they want to they want to invest in the guy that they've already invested time. Uh, in they've invested a year in his redshirt year. They've invested in Jay Huff. They've invested, you know, development time and minutes in, in Ty and, and Kyle and Mamadi. They want those guys to have a chance to play. And and to kind of to Dave's point um, on the last question, like if you think about where the 16 class was in terms of when they were coming in, there was clear playing time available. 
Well, now that playing time has to kind of come to fruition, right? These guys, ha- there's a bunch of them, and they sort of have to go through the process of uh, of getting better. And what I what I think has been interesting is to have heard not just what Tony said at the um, uh, at the uh, alumni events about the program and bringing in players and the way that they develop guys, but Llewellyn almost said that word for word about what what kind of Tony's message was to him about you know, the way that they develop players. And I, I, don't think, I don't think Virginia, regardless of the success that the Cavaliers have, is ever going to be a program that, like, dudes just, like, like revolving door sort of thing, right? Where guys, you know, not whether they're one and done or not, I think that's like a, like a lightning rod for people for some reason. But, like, what I mean by that is, like, guys who just come in and, like, right away, lightning in a bottle, they're great, and then in two years they're gone. And then some other dudes come in and, like, boom, they're great. Like, I just feel like Tony likes – the investment that he makes in these kids. He likes the process. I think he likes seeing, you know, that they, that they develop the way that they do. Um, that's his blueprint. Um, and I think that's something that's going to stick. I, I think that the move in 18 to not look at a goal at a wing says as much about, uh, Deandre Hunter and, uh, and possibly Marco Anthony as it does anything else. I, I think they just want to give themselves a chance to see what they've got and stop feeling like they have a need just because they have a spot. And I still could see them go uh, Jalen Llewellyn, Musa Jallo, uh, Jerron Brooks. Like, I think that would be a great class for them at 18 if that's what they ended up getting. Um, but they might I, – I, I just don't think that they're going to continue to, to kind of push the wing as much maybe as they would have. Um, and, again, Tone, Tone is – you know, he, he, he changes up. Sometimes, you know, he, he might get to July and, and – and that that idea goes completely out the window. I just think that they think their biggest needs are big and point guard. Or it's just more specifically, it's I, number one is point guard, number two is big. Um, and if they if they get that done and they they decide to, to to move on a wing, I don't think it it means that this 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 idea is is going to go out the window. I think as you move forward, the knob is, is moved a little bit. So I think you're going to see them start to to act accordingly. And I hope I hope that all answered um most of that that question um i'm guess i'm gonna move on to the next one uh which i'm hoping you guys can really give me some great information here on embrace the pace wants to know when javon quinley is going to commit to uva you guys you you guys want to pick a date you want to you want to you want to start a pool uh how we do is this like a thing where we we buy some squares or wow (laughs) you know no man date if you're gonna if you're gonna do it you got to say like september 8th boom like be bold. I'll go. I'll go second home game. Second football <laughs> home game. Was that September sixteenth or something? No idea. You 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 act like I care what no. Uh, about <laughs> September ninth at three uh, thirty p.m. on the ACC Network Extra. I still remember. Yeah. I still remember. That'll that, be the day. I still remember the Stiffs committing. Uh, excuse me, uh, Brandon Stiff. Com- sorry. Wow. BJ Stiff committing in the middle of a football game, and I thought like my life had ended. Like yeah. I was like I was in the middle of like doing I was like I don't even know what to do right now. Like That was another one where it was the first uh football game. Yeah, it was not uh I mean, I, you know and me. He was I, like a freshman in high school or something. You know me in a football game, I've got tunnel vision, dude. Like I I I, I I'm trying to watch this game. I'm keeping up with like what down was it? What was the formation and like, oh, look, Brandon Stith committed. Um no, I, I look, I, I understand the excitement about J- Javon Cornerly. I think UVA's got a great shot. Um, and I think that Arizona taking Brandon Williams is a nice step in the right direction. Uh, definitely going to be between Villanova and UVA, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Boy Blue 53 wants to know starting five. Um, 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say that his starting five here of Nigel Johnson, Kyle God, Devin Hall, Isaiah Wilkins, and Miami Diakite is probably what I would say too, and not necessarily because I don't want to answer the question, but like I genuinely think that makes sense. Give me a give me your random starting five uh, in hoops, Dave. Let's start with you. First game, I guess we're talking. <laughs> no, no, no. At the end of the, the last game of the end season of the when they're playing for the ACC regular season tournament. I mean, excuse me, regular season championship. I'm gonna go a little little off path here. I'm gonna go uh, Nigel, Ty Jerome, Devin Hall, um, DeAndre Hunter, and Jack Salt. What about you, Ferber? I'm gonna go Nigel Johnson, Devin Hall, Kyle Guy. Um, Isaiah Wilkins, Jack Salt. Y'all have way more faith in Jack Salt um, than I do. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of thought about putting Diakite there. Um, and my first guy off the bench is Jerome because I think he you can bring him in as the backup for like three different guys. Yeah. Also, uh, I'm gonna assume that the DH there was Devin Hall and not DeAndre Hunter. I think we have a very strict rule on Cavs Corner that DeAndre Hunter is Dre and Devin Hall is DH, but. We're, we're yeah, he's got to earn the de- he's got to earn the DH. <laughs> yeah, he's got to he's got to show something first. Okay, so uh, UVA fan twenty three has two questions. We're gonna handle them as if they are two questions, but they are really one question on football. We actually have one football question among the mix, right? Yeah, that's the only one. Okay, do you have the feeling that this team could surprise? Any such feeling at all? There are only there are some really strong pieces on defense, unknown in the middle. Um, Kurt Bankirk healthy, and I feel we have a lot of talent at wide receiver, and I'm excited about uh, running back as well. But the unknown is going to line. Is there enough talent to game plan around and maybe surprise? My, my printer, the ink went crazy there. Um, I think that this is like a Schrodinger's football team, right? Because right now, yes, they absolutely have. I think they have plenty of talent. My problem has never been with their talent. And, like, it's funny because, like, these people that don't pay attention – to like recruiting or, or or like they will tell oh you didn't well that's yeah if you if you're only basing it on do they have players you've ever heard of but do you know how many football players there are on every football team and how many kids they have to sign each year just to keep the thing going like this team has a lot of talent I think Ben Kirk's got talent I think the running back core is pretty strong I, I like their talent wide receiver if it can stay healthy uh, I, I I think that. Um, I think Bernie is actually a pretty good tight end. Butts as well. Uh, offensive line is going to be a question mark, but they're adding some 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 pieces uh, at the uh, at the beginning of the summer that that should help out at least in terms of depth. And they'll have R.J. Proctor back as well. Offensively, like you can make the argument, like, hey, look, really unproven, super super unproven, talented kids, variety of positions. Defense, same thing. You got to figure out your your nose tackle. You got to figure out whether or not Jordan Mack really sticks as your other inside linebacker. But dude, there's like experience and playmaking ability and physical dudes who have made some serious gains in the weight room all over that defense. So I think if if your if your question is could this team surprise? Absolutely, it could. If if you ask me to predict it, I will laugh at you. But I will tell you that that it could absolutely do that. And if I really hope as as we get closer to the fall that people aren't putting everything on um, surprising people because the the expectations are going to be super low for Virginia. I mean, you wait until ACC Media Day. Like I I don't know where we're gonna who who else we're gonna find in the coastal to put uh, below them 
but it's not going to be pretty when those when those forecasts come out. That being said, like if 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 surprising is the only you know the measure, it's it's I don't think that's going to be hard. I think the the, the bigger question is uh, sustainability. Like, can they can they have some success some success and, and sustain it? I mean, like we you know Covington and I talked last week about this, and you know we're sitting there talking about you know if they can win the opener. Dot dot dot. I mean, like that's that's a pretty good indication of sort of where things are. Um, let me ask a question to you guys. Do you feel like that team could surprise some people? Am, am I am I too far off base in 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 terms of the way you would frame it, uh, Ferber? I'll start with you. Yeah, because like you said, it's kind of like the bar is low. So, like from a national perspective, I think if UVA went like six and six, I think everybody would like a lot of the national people would be like, oh wow, like that's even if this is going to sound weird, but even if relative to the talent on the team, that's about where they should be and they've just underachieved or whatever in recent years or needed to get, you know, in better shape as a team or whatever it is, or figure out the systems. Even if six and six is right about where a lot of people feel like they should be, nobody nationally thinks that. They think that UVA is like a two win, three win, right? four talent. Nobody locally thinks that. I'm and I mean heck, I don't think that. You know? Right. So like if they won like five or six games, everybody would be like, Wow, they did a hell of a job with this team, even if maybe they have more talent than people realize. Does that make sense? No, yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think that the weird thing about it too is like if if they were to let's say they let's say they win a few games and they have their bye week and you're like, Okay, the expectation will be collapse, right? Like that's that's what everybody will be looking for. They will be looking signs of it. It will not nobody's gonna give them the benefit of the doubt until they do it. So yeah, I, I think that if if you look at this team this season, I, I hope folks are excited about one, football being back, because that's all you know, that's always fun. But then two, like looking you're not looking for the negative because if you look for it, you're gonna find it. Like they're they're not gonna be able to just come out and, and roll undefeated. They're gonna be a lot of uh, of warts. Um, but I do think the team has has talent, and and I do think that that if if the staff has corrected um, game planning and matching talent to scheme the way that they 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 sort of course corrected on um, what they they were asking kids to do in the spring and what they were asking kids to do in the weight room, if they if they if that if that same sort of course correction translates then i think they're 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 you know you're you're gonna be surprised this season but man surprise is such a low bar um you know it's 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 not gonna be hard to surprise people what do you think dave how, how, how do you feel about all this yeah i mean exactly I mean, it depends on your definition of surprise the staff is clearly motivated by last year um they know the roster better they learned a lot last year um and quite frankly this is probably the most Barring some miraculous re- recruiting run um, to finish this this cycle, this will probably be the most talent we have on the team for the next two years uh, following this season. That might be stretching it, but most likely it is. Um, so, like, there's a part of me that expects this team to be better, but because of the recent past, I can't. Um, so, yeah, I found myself wondering if Virginia had managed to, you know not spit the bit in the opener last year and maybe pull out a game against UConn or another one of the few close games they had and finish four and eight, five and seven. What would my expectations be for this year? Because it's in many ways, this team should be better than last year. Um, So it's just, 
should they surprise? I don't know. Can they surprise? Most definitely. But it all depends on your definition. Like I, I don't think six and six should be surprising this year. I'm just not willing to say it publicly. <laughs> <laughs> he says on the podcast that is public. On the podcast. Um, yeah. His other his basketball question was, what position and type of player do you feel UVA needs the most? He thinks that uh, UVA needs a power forward. Some size skills and athleticism, um, which would be a game changer. Somebody like Gil with a few more inches, uh, he feels like, is what they need most. You know, it's funny. I, the more I think about UVA, like, I, I don't disagree. I mean, after watching them last year struggle so so much to have a big – I'm really curious to see not just how Dre and Jay play, but how they develop physically over the next you know two three years. Um, I'm really curious to see, uh, not necessarily when I say develop physically, I don't mean like hey let's track and see how much Jay Huff is eating, um, but what I mean by that is like what's he able to do on the floor? Because I think we can all agree that the game is different now. Um, you know, having a seven footer who can legitimately hit a three point shot. And take it with 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 a lot of confidence does a lot of different things for you. When you need a big to move his feet well, though, in in terms of the 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 kind of um, the you know the the the, the what the linchpin of your defense is is being able to have uh, guys who can cover ground and rotate and 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 kind of move as a phalanx, like that dude could be a significant game changer. And so I don't I don't want to just breeze past that. I, Virginia needs scoring in the post in the worst way but i just don't know if when we say scoring in the post some of us think dude like ag uh who i'm kind of almost said rest in peace even though he's definitely not dead um a dude like ag who i look i i loved covering that guy he was uh he was a beast at times but what's the difference between scoring in the post and scoring by a post because if jay huff is taking dudes out to the three-point line and teams are having to get their big out there. Do you know what that does for their mismatches? Because that guy's actually a pretty nimble kid. Like he can move his feet pretty well. He's pretty quick off the floor. He's not like a, a physical freak of nature like Momdi might be, but he's pretty he's pretty good at it. I'm really curious to see what he does. And 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 this is a long way to say that I think what the thing that UVA needs most is a small dude who can get a bucket. I mean, I'm just I, look. This is no shade at any former point guard or anything like that. But Virginia does not have um, a guy like that. And I'm really curious to see what Nigel Johnson looks like in a Virginia uniform because I think this offense, if they had a dude, a Chris Likes kind of kid who could just create off the bounce for other people and then get to the rim at times, make make defenses have to cover the lane and and have to get out on, on the wing. It, you can't chase Kyle Guy off a three-point line if you have to defend the lane. You, you can't. You can't do it. He's going to get his looks. Um, Ty Jerome's going to get his looks. Devin Hall's going to get his looks. So I, I'm really curious to see Nigel. I, I really, I really would love to see. I, I, I kind of my ex. I don't know if I want to call it my expectation. My um, suspicion, let's say, is that Nigel's going to going to look really good in this offense. And when he does, that's going to give Virginia a chance to really recruit a different type of point guard. Um, not to say that they won't still want guys who can create. Not to say they still want guys who are floor generals. But I think. Having a dude who can create off the bounce and get to the rack, I think, is a huge deal, uh, and maybe even more so uh, than a traditional big who can score in the post. What about you guys? What's the what's the thing you think this team needs, Dave? Let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it. It's look, let, let's assume Mamadi, you know, continues to develop. Jay is what we hope he is. Hunter's what we we hope he is, and then you got very physical guys in Marco Anthony and. Uh, Francesco, do, 
the Italian kid, um, whose name I always forget. Badoshi. Badoshi. Like, you don't you have to say it with they... any weird sort of thing, man. Just yeah. say Badoshi. It's Badoshi. okay. Badoshi. Yo, what you got? <laughs> y'all, uh, that's gonna, y'all are going to drive me crazy. Uh, like, no, no. Hold, hold on. That's going to drive <laughs> me nuts. Like, that's one of my things. I don't know why it bugs me so bad, but, like, I hate that. Uh, you only should do that for yeah. Mario, and he's the only one. Anyways, I'm sorry. Continue with your with your answer. You know, assuming they all develop, um, you know, obviously the NBA Finals are on tonight, but like you watch what a guy like in our past, like a kill or even Isaiah against, you know, guys who aren't six eleven with the post skills, like you can defend a a big in the post with the smaller physical guy, especially with the rules the way they are now and most most teams settling for outside shots. But you can't do what you're talking about. Like, you you can't throw anyone out there with the ball in five seconds and tell them to go get a shot. And that's what we need. Um, I think you could see a. There's a, actually a part of me that thinks if you went and got a post score and he's always in the post, then they just switch the smaller three or four out on Huff, and then you lose that advantage. Because um, you know it's going to be difficult to have two guys in the post or even three. So, I think for the roster as it is. Hopefully Nigel will show that, but um, a guy like Quinterly, you know, a guy who could just go get it. You're right. I, I don't see how you can anything on our roster can mimic that. What about you, Ferber? What's your what's your where, where do you come down on this? I'm actually I, I agree with you. I think yeah, you do. That's right. Just like just a guy that can get a a bucket like when you need it, like a. Uh, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a point guard. It could be like a two guard that's maybe undersized, um, like Devontae Graham. Somebody like that. That's yeah, like a that, perfect yeah. example for me. It's funny. Somebody I watched that, yeah. somebody that can score in any different way, and you have to be able to, you know, it's, I mean, let's be honest. For the most part, London was a really good point guard, but he was scoring from threes. I mean, like he wasn't really going to get to the basket a whole lot and score after Toby and AG and those other guys that could kind of, you know, like they had to command attention and the post were gone. Um, but I feel like somebody like Nigel Johnson, I mean, he might not be that caliber player, but like a like a Devontae Graham. But um, imagine what Devontae Graham would have been able to do on this team and how that offense could have been different and how he could have opened things up for the post guys by just getting in the lane and making easy passes. You say that like I, every time I watched Devontae Graham, I was like, man, man, I do would have made me some money. Um Okay, uh, J.H. Moss uh, asks, uh, what's the plan at point guard if they happen to strike out on Quinterly and Llewellyn? So what's interesting to me about this is that, like, I don't want to make it seem that those two aren't the guys who seem to be the leaders in the clubhouse, right? Quinterly, to me, is clearly the, the, the guy that, that, that if they had their druthers, they would already have in the fold. But I think they really like Llewellyn, and I think they feel really good not only about where they are in both of those recruitments, but they feel really good. Like if they get one of those guys, they're going to be in a good spot. There are several other point guards that they're involved with who I think they would be, they would be in a good spot. I can't tell you from talking to different people that they would, they would say that today. Like, like the fantasy kid um, is one. I, 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 if they got like um, uh, David Duke, the kid from uh, mass rivals, um, uh, <laughs> You know, they ended up with like Darius Garland or Devin Dotson or Quentin Grimes. I mean, sure. Um, but I, I think that like DeVoe, for example, is one. Like if they end up with Mike DeVoe, I think they'd be in a really good spot. That's a that's a nice point guard. Six three. Got a good first step. Uh, decent shot. Nice handle. Really seems to play under control. 
Um, so I think if they, but I think the thing that focus on here isn't necessarily if they didn't get uh, Cornerly and Llewellyn. It's time frames. Cornerly, I think, is going to decide earlier than Llewellyn, so I think it, it it sort of matches up a little uh, uh, pretty well. But even if they didn't get those pieces, uh, I think they would still have plenty of time to sort of, for lack of a description, recover. But they still would already be in a series of recruitments, and this is why Tony's way of recruiting is actually pretty pretty good. He doesn't just pick three dudes or two dudes or one guy and say, I'm going to go all out for this kid. His, 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 his way of evaluating and then offering, it, it allows him to be in a series of marathon recruitments at once because he's on a first-come, first-serve sort of basis, right? He's not saying to a kid, okay, you have three weeks to, to, to figure this out, and if you don't, we're, we're moving on. He can basically still be in a recruitment, build that trust, have that relationship with the recruit, uh, assistants can continue to, to mine that. And then when that kid is ready to decide, he decides and either it goes Virginia's way or, or Virginia keeps moving on to the guys they've already offered. So actually, I kind of like the way that they've sort of cast a wider net in this class. I think they're they're a little bit less uh, exposed, so to speak, if if these two guys decide to go elsewhere. Um, so I, I, I don't know if, if Ferber or Dave can really add to that on this one, but I, I think that's sort of the plan the plan as you see it, like I said, Tony went, saw kids, offered kids he liked. He continued to do that. Um, so I feel like that in a way sort of uh, um, it's like a fail safe, but it's, it's built into the, into the process and not necessarily specific to this class or to uh, these recruits. Uh, Dave, let's turn to you, uh, short of making you ask me a question or, or Ferber a question. I want to hear about this uh, this uh, VAF social you went to. Um, give give all the nice sort of details that you <laughs> that you think people on message boards would like to hear about. <clears throat> just which football, not, right? Which does not mean that you should be talking about how you're finally at one point going to turn your wife into being uh, a Virginia <laughs> fan and not a Hokie. But what did you? It, it, whatever whatever you picked up, take us through a little bit of it and 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 give me some flavor of the night. Well, yeah, Tony was there. Um, as you, I mean, Bronco was there at the same event last year with, and Sanchez was the basketball rep. This time it was Tony and, and Coach A um, for football. But as usual, yeah, there was a long line to meet Tony, including some of the catering staff. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty funny. Um, but, you know, it's typical Tony, like, I don't, I don't. I guess most people have heard him speak in a non. Well, I guess some people have had a chance to hear him speak in a non-media event. Like, unless he's putting on a hell of a show, he's just he's just a different dude than most of your D one coaches that I I haven't met a whole lot. But the few I've met, man, they're just, he's just a different different bird. Um, that night, you know, he, obviously consider the crowd. He's talking about what he does, but. Um, he mentioned Sanchez had turned down a few head jobs, which is not surprising to to me or I guess anyone else who's heard met the guy or talked to him. Um, the the take home for me from all of Tony's stuff was what he does. He believes in completely. Like he, he even said specifically, he thinks a junior or senior in his program is a better player than any you know than a recruiting rank or anything else. So. He was very. He even specifically mentioned he was upset about Shayok and Thompson leaving. Uh, he didn't mention Reuter, which I thought was interesting. But um, and I was a little surprised he brought up Shayok, but he was upset with it and you know said he tried to talk him into staying. 
the grass isn't always greener in, in other places, but he, um, what else did he talk about that you might find interesting? Like there's some freshman coming in that's going to have a knee procedure in a red shirt. I probably should have mentioned that to, to Brad before. Yeah. It might've been, it might've been a decent before little... Taft broke it. <laughs> yeah. Ta- yeah, Ta- Taft goes to the thing. Yeah. gets handed a scoop and, and Dave's like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't even realize that nobody knew about didn't, that. Here it is. Like literally it's number three. The exact same way too, which is the funniest part. Yeah, like it yeah, wasn't I mean, like it wasn't like that they re- issued a release. <laughs> no, he, exactly. yeah. he was at the same event. Um, but of interest to us, I mean, he thinks Dre and uh, Jay Huff have huge upside. We will see some things we like and see some things that <laughs> that obviously need to work on. Um, he mentioned that Mamadi is back in Guinea right now for the first time since he has been in Virginia. Um, but. And he left weighing 227 pounds, which is up from 185 when he arrived. Uh, he and Jason Williford, I don't know if you know this, Brad. He and Mamadi and Jason Williford have a bet to see who can get to 230 first. Jason going down and <laughs> Mamadi going up. Um, that's so great. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's so great. Oh, yeah. oh and so Mamadi's going to win. Yeah. And then the, this is kind of when he got into the Q&A session. People asked someone asked about the incoming freshman, and uh, Tony basically said, "With with tile, uh, with tie, tile. That's the, the new. Point I do that all the have. time. Don't worry. Yeah, with Ty and Kyle um, and Mamadi, they felt they needed a wing with physicality like a Malcolm or, or Justin, and that's why they went after Marco Anthony. Like he is high on Marco. I know we keep talking about him like as kind of the space filler in a small class. That's not why Tony brought him in." Um, and I, I think someone, I wouldn't be surprised to see Marco play next year. Like he didn't talk like Marco was redshirting at all. Right. Um, and then if you think about it, numbers asked, wise, you, no, I was gonna say, if you think about it numbers wise, right. So if like, let's go on that starting file we talked about. So then you got Ty, Dre and Jay coming off the bench, Jack salt, and, and then probably Marco Anthony. That's your nine. Like that's your group. It makes sense too, that one of the reasons when we, we talked about, you know, maybe why they pull back on wing or why they might not go that way is at least they want to give themselves a chance to see what Marco looks like once he actually gets on, on grounds. And I, I think they have pretty high expectations uh, for his ability to help pretty early because physically he's not going to need the time to develop the way other guys are. So I, I, I agree. I, I think, and, and we're probably guilty of this too, is sort of forgetting he's the kind of a forgotten man in between classes. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think he, he has a very real chance to be a, you know, a, a solid competitor, contributor for them this season. Yeah, I mean, and the other other stuff is mainly stuff we've heard before. Like, you know, he's not going to compromise the system. It took Brian O'Connor eleven years to win the world, you know, to win the College World Series, and he without compromise, and he doesn't plan on compromising. Um, you know, it's like every time you listen to Tony speak as a fan, like he just gets it. I think he loves UVA. Like, I left there thinking there's no way he's leaving UVA for another college job. Um, I put college in there, but I mean, I don't know for sure he'd leave for an NBA job. So I mean, it was good. I mean, the, the big piece of news was, was the Bidochi information, but, um, you know, he's, he clearly believes having a junior and seniors are what's going to make his system work. So like, I, I don't think that he's ever going to worry about signing the number one player at every position, like some other schools we recruit against. When, now, now, Tony and Bronco were both there. Was Bronco there too? No, uh, Coach A was there. Okay. Um, yeah. Coach a. Did they really call him Coach A? The way people That's can't say Atalaya. Uh, 
us like I called him Coach Atawaya, and then someone else pronounced it a different way, and he pronounced it a different way, and I was like, I, "Wait a minute, my he didn't pronounce it Atawaya? The way he pronounced the way, I guess, with his uh, accent, like in a, in a when a, I introduced him to the guy I brought with me, um, one of the guy, my wife's friends, um, and I swear it sounded different, so I just started referring to him as Coach A. It's from that point. <laughs> so, Crap. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so you got Tony. This is it. Have you had a chance to talk to him yet, Brad? I assume you have, right? We talking about Atawaya? Atawaya, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's a fun dude, man. Like he's a lot of fun to talk to. So, in the main, we were this event was in Stanton at the at a Sugarloaf Farms, which there's this huge convention like building it's in, um, outdoor, beautiful. But um, so Tony's got a line of people, and Coach A is literally sitting where the food is, like sitting talking to one of the the hostess, you know, one of the waitress staff, um, just eating, a, you know, eating and no one knows who he is. So I walk up, he and I talked for about 30 minutes. He's just, and it's not like I was bogarting his time. No one else knew who he was. I don't think so. He was really interesting. He was there. He's clearly upset about two and 10. So there's no excuse for it. Um, he, he felt the team, Although they spent a lot of time kind of developing their system, the team didn't know what to do when they faced adversity in a game. And he thinks that's something they they focused on this offseason. Um, and something that the, they're really going to key on going into this year's, you know, not not letting the uh, any adversity during the game affect your affect your play. Um, and that's why he said you saw some guys playing later in the year that hadn't played earlier. It's just trying to find the right combination. Um, he seemed to make it sound like Jordan Ellis was going to be our workhorse back. Um, he spoke highly of him. And then he, uh, Peacock is, I'm sorry, I'm reading through my notes, so it's very broken up. Um, and it's been oh, a couple weeks. you took notes? That's awesome. Yeah, to be help you out, man. Um, obviously not while I was talking to him. But <laughs> he spoke very highly of Peacock and says, Jamari is going to be fun to watch. He's kind of the prototypical big back in their system. Um, you know, he was the lead recruiter for Jamari, and Jamari was pretty much down to uh, Florida State, Nebraska, and Virginia. And basically, he told Jamari, "Don't compromise. You're a smart student. Don't compromise. Come to Virginia, and you know, do, <laughs> instead of instead of just being a thick neck to blocks, be a thick neck that catches passes on occasion." Um, and was the other thing and then you you know he admitted the offensive line is going to kind of dictate where we go for this year but you know he's just a funny dude man his story is pretty amazing um i can tell you i I don't know i haven't had a chance to meet back and all those other guys but i I know the staff isn't known for their recruiting but i guarantee you that otawaya when he sits down with a with a parent and their mom or and you know mom or dad he's going to win a lot of battles so I like him a lot, man. He was fun to talk to. Um, obviously, Tony was a highlight and what everyone wanted to see, including some woman. I'll end it with this. I, may, I can't remember if I told you or not, but Tony started his speech with say, saying, I've had a lot of things said to me at these events, but tonight I had a lady come up to me and said, I don't want to have sex with you. I just want to be your mom. <laughs> Which is literally the most the awkward creepiest, thing. Yeah, that's creepiest creepy. thing ever. That's Little creepy. Page came up later. Came up later and said anyone who can email him lyrics to a song called <laughs> he would make li- lyrics to that. He would give him a special uh, 
seats in his box for the year. So I don't know if anyone took him up on that. God, I hope not. But those events are always fun. If you are a VAF member or haven't done it, I mean, I'm not paid by the VAF. It was just just a lot of fun. <laughs> Did you say I'm not paid by the VAF? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm hoping we, they listen and kick me some cash. Bro. We, sn- <laughs> we, sn- we snuck a we snuck a a, a a plant onto the podcast. We the VAF is we're in cahoots. That's what that's what's happening here. Now I, I've heard Bronco's been pretty good at these things too. I've heard he's like super like fired up and super energetic, um, and like, but also very, like super duper matter of fact about like how it's going to take a while, and. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that's. Uh, I don't know if that's the wrong note. He wasn't hit. that way last year when I saw him. No. So. <laughs> yeah. Things. Things change in a hurry. Um. I think that's a that's a good place to put a pin in it. I uh, want to thank everybody again for for the questions. Also, want to thank you guys for giving me some time and Dave for your crack reporting, uh, from uh, the social uh, the other week and. Uh, Anytime. Man. Oh, did I tell you, Bob Sushi retiring. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Sushi retired and uh, <laughs> and uh, Fred Hoiberg is going to get his job too. <laughs> Uh, maybe maybe Bob Zeus will be the new coach at Ohio State. I did, and I was uh, I, I'm going to say this because they want to move this thing fast. And I like w- Tony Bennett was on some some sm- some some short lists early, right? That I saw floating around online, and then very quickly I was like, oh, that's funny. And I I, I, I joked to you guys that like you know they should hire Buzz Williams, and then like Buzz Williams is now like apparently like actually a, a candidate. Like it's a thing that could, that could happen. Him, Fred Hoiberg, and some, there was somebody else I saw who. So suddenly is escaping me. So if uh, yeah, if that happens in the next McDermott, if if yeah, McDermott, if if that happens in the next twelve hours, it's not my, you know you heard it here first, uh, and Ferber didn't even get to didn't even get to break it. But again, thanks everybody out there for supporting the show as always for giving us uh, a listen. Thanks to uh, th- for day to Dave and Ferber for being on the show, um, and uh, maybe we'll we'll see if uh, we'll see if we get the band back together next week or not. We we've been trying to. To kind of do one and take a week off um, so we'll kind of see where things go but for david spence justin ferber i'm brad franklin publisher capscorn.com thanks for coming out we'll see you soon